It's back. The shopping cart is back. Good morning. How's everybody doing? Great to see you. For those of you watching New City Live, we're grateful to be with you wherever you might be, hopefully someplace warm today. Uh, my name is Chris. I'm one of the pastors here at New City, and it's a joy uh, to be with you today. You know, our heartbeat as a church, uh, whether this is your first time being with us or you've been here for years and years, our heartbeat is to help people to find and follow Jesus. Uh, that's really our mission. That's our purpose, to help people find and follow Jesus. And so whether you're here today and you're kicking the tires on what a relationship with Jesus looks like, who is Jesus, or whether you've been following Jesus and you want to go further and follow him more passionately in your life, uh, you're in the right place. We're, we're glad to have you today. So I thought I would start with uh, some things, speaking of Jesus and follow, finding and following after him. I thought I'd start with some things that Jesus didn't say that maybe you've heard attributed to him at some point in your life. Because if we're going to find and follow Jesus, we've got to start with um, the truth of what Jesus said, who he was, and we come to the scriptures for that. But I want to start with a list, maybe you've heard a few of these, of things that Jesus didn't say. And some of these might surprise you. Here's the first one. Listen to your heart. Just listen to your heart. Sounds great. There's songs that are sung about that. Um, I'm not going to sing them this morning, but it's in my, there's a voice in my head saying, you should sing it, you should say it, but I'm not going to. Listen to your heart. Feels really good. Jesus never said that. Here's another one. <clears throat> Things that Jesus never said. Be true to yourself. Just be true to yourself. Again, it sounds really great. Jesus never said that. Here's the third one. Trust your gut. Just trust your gut. Well, my gut changes by the hour, right? I don't know about yours, but based on what I ate last night, my gut changes by the hour, right? So uh, trusting my gut is probably not a good idea, but it sounds really good. We put it on mugs and plaques and trust your gut. They trusted their gut. It was great. Here's the fourth one. Feel good. Just feel good about yourself. Just feel good about yourself. Here's the fifth one. This is a great one. Happiness is all that matters. Let me say it a different way. As long as you're happy. As long as you're happy. One of my kids said that to me the other day. Like, I just, dad, I just, it, it just, it makes me happy. I'm like, well, so is that the, is that what we're doing now? Like, because if that's what we're doing, then I got a long list here. <laughs> right? Here's the sixth one, the final one. There's a lot of things, but here's, here's, here's another one. Just, um, just try hard, just try hard, and be a good person. It may surprise you that Jesus never said that. Jesus never said try hard, just be a good, just be a good person. Here's something Jesus did say. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself. Let him take up his cross daily and follow after me. If anybody would come after me, let him deny himself. Uh-oh. Let him take up his cross and let him follow after me. You know, we talk about finding and following Jesus. What does that look like? Well, it starts with denying myself. It's not about me and my gut and my feelings and my happiness. Denying myself, taking up my cross. What does a cross do? Coming to the end of myself 
fixing my eyes on Jesus and following after him. And I brought these up here with me just to illustrate this because, you know, so many of us go through life, um, whether we realize it or not, consciously or subconsciously, pushing a shopping cart. And actually, we're, we're sort of reinforced in this in, in, in life and in culture, where everything around us reminds us that you have this proverbial shopping cart, and everything and everyone in your life is really meant to fill up your shopping cart with more things. And so even when we sometimes come into the church as Jesus followers, we still are pushing our carts. And we come in, we just wanna, we just wanna fill our lives up with more and more and more things. And really every relationship, whether it's job, family, neighbor, whatever, becomes about what can I get from this person? And if we're not careful, even in our faith, it can be about, oh, I just wanna fill up my shopping cart. But here's the little secret, guys. Okay, I'm gonna let you in on the secret. There's a hole in the bottom of this cart. And if we go through life as a consumer, which is yeah, everything in our world is positioned to tell us you're a consumer, okay? Billions of dollars are spent every year on you as a consumer to fill up more and more things in your shopping cart. And it's weird that at the end of all that you go, but I don't feel any better about myself. I really haven't achieved happiness yet. And if I could just have one more thing, then maybe, just maybe, but there's a hole in the bottom of the cart. And so every time we get more things, there's more stuff dropping out. Jesus, when he was sharing the last supper with his friends, with his disciples, with his followers, the word disciple means follower. We talk about finding and following Jesus. Discipleship is followership. It's following Jesus. When Jesus was at the last supper, first of all, they didn't know it was the last supper. They didn't call it the last supper until later. They had a lot of meals with Jesus. In fact, I imagine them, you know, going to all these different villages and towns. And Jesus had a threefold ministry. Do you remember this? The three things that Jesus did. The Gospel of Matthew tells us that Jesus was a preacher, he was a teacher, and he was a healer. So a third of Jesus' ministry was healthcare. Right? He did, uh, those of you in the healthcare profession, God bless you guys. Jesus would go to different villages and towns. He would heal people. He would preach. He would teach. And I imagine at the end of most of those days that they would gather together, he and his disciples, and they would have a warm fire and they would share a meal together and they would tell stories about all the different people and all the different things that they encountered that day. And they come to this table, this last supper, and Jesus pushes away from the table. Do you remember this? And he takes a towel and a basin filled with water and he begins to wash the disciples' feet. Now, they, you know, most of the disciples had sandals on. They were traveling from village to village. Their feet were, were dirty and stinky. And Jesus, Jesus, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, gets down and begins to wash their feet. And they begin to protest. No, you don't, don't wash my feet, Peter says. Don't wash my feet. And Jesus says, don't, don't you realize? Everyone listen to this. What I'm doing is an example for you. I'm setting the example and the standard of what real life is. And, and, and if nothing else happened at the Last Supper, which it did, but if nothing else happened, Jesus set the example and model for each and every one of us to ditch our shopping carts, to stop being consumers, to get a towel and a basin and to start being contributors and servants. And Jesus said this, right? He says, all the Gentiles... The non-believers, people who don't follow after me, people who haven't found me, aren't following after me, all of them take their positions and their leadership and their influence and they lord it over other people, but not so with you. Everybody else rolls a shopping cart through their life. Again, even in the churches, we walk in with shopping carts. 
And it's all about consuming things and getting things from other people in my marriage and with my kids. What can I get from my kids? You go, I'm not trying to get anything from my kids, really? So many of us take our children, our spouses, significant others, our, our, our friends, our coworkers, our jobs, our careers, and we're trying to get something from it. And here's the deal, guys. All of those people in your life, your coworkers, your friends, your children, your spouse, right? They can't bear the weight of your worship. So if, if you're trying to fill up your cart, your heart with someone or something else other than Jesus, it will never be enough. Jesus, let me teach you a little equation real quick. If you're taking, taking notes, if you don't take any other notes, maybe just write this one down. Jesus plus something equals nothing. If you're trying to add a little bit of Jesus to your shopping cart, it won't work because Jesus will mess up your shopping cart. He'll start throwing stuff out of the cart, right? You got a problem if you're just trying to add Jesus to your proverbial shopping cart. Jesus won't be consumed by you guys. He won't be, right? Jesus didn't come to be just an add-on to something else that you're finding significance in your life. Jesus came to give life and give it abundantly. So here's the rest of the equation. Jesus plus something equals nothing, but Jesus plus nothing, nothing else, nothing else equals everything, equals everything. And if here's the deal, guys, if Jesus isn't enough in your life, in your marriage, right, in your work, in your friendships, in your neighborhood, in the significant thing that you're struggling with today, if Jesus isn't enough, nothing or no one ever will be. But so many of us, even those of us who are Christ followers in the room, have a hard time getting rid of our shopping cart and the mentality that I have to continue to consume from other people, other relationships, other situations, because Jesus just won't be enough. You know, last week we talked about the fact that we don't just have gifts from God. God gives us many gifts. But we as followers of Jesus are gifts. God wants to send us out into the world with a towel and a basin. Jesus said, I'm giving you an example to go and live this out with other people, to serve and not to be served. Look, the world needs, I think you would agree with me, a lot less superstars and a lot more servants. What would it look like for those of us who are Christ followers to be different and to not just be consumers, but to be contributors, to not enter into every single relationship in our lives going, what can I get? And you wanna know what that is, guys, by the way? It's lust. Lust is all about what you can get. And when your relationship is built on lust, you're a consumer of other people. That's all that you want, whether it's something physical, emotional, whatever, you're all about getting something for yourself. Love is all about what you give. For God so loved the world that he came and took a bunch of stuff from other people. Is that what it says? God so loved the world. What does love do? Love always moves me to a posture of giving. So instead of showing up into the room like we talked about a few weeks ago and saying, here I am. I show up to rooms. I show up to workspaces. I show up in my living room. I show up in my neighborhood saying, there you are. There you are. How can I serve and not be served? 
how does this work? How do we, so many of us, right, as Christ's followers, or even for those of you who are exploring what it means to follow Jesus, to find him, so many of us have such a hard time getting rid of our shopping baskets. Anybody with me? It's so difficult to, to, to get out of the mentality, and it's actually a stronghold, spiritually, of being a consumer. And, and, and what does it mean? What does it look like? What, what could it feel like to enter into the world not as a consumer, but as a contributor, as a, as a giver, not with a shopping cart, just all about what I can get from other people in every relationship, my workspace, my church, my family, everything. What would it look like for me to take a towel and a basin and enter as a, as a servant? As Jesus said, I came to serve and not be served. And to give my life as a ransom for every single one of us today. That's the gospel. You know, we talk about those things that Jesus didn't say. Jesus didn't say, just go be a good little boy, be a good little girl. Why? Because he knew that you weren't. And that's why he came, to be for you and for me what we could not be for ourselves. And here's the deal, guys. You know, I said there's a secret to this. There's a hole in the bottom of the shopping cart, right? Our, our consumerism, there's a hole. It's never enough because if Jesus isn't enough, nothing or no one ever will be. But here's the deal, guys. When Jesus is enough for us, we can ditch the shopping cart. It's only when I know that Jesus is enough for me that I don't need to be a consumer in a relationship with you. That I don't need to show up looking for what I can get from you instead of what I can give. And as we uh, continue our study of the book of Ephesians, Ephesians, the second part of the book, verses, or chapters four through six, there's six chapters in the book, and you'll remember that the first half is all about what we believe. So again, if you're here today and you're going, I'm just trying to understand what this Christianity thing is all about and what it means to find Jesus and follow him, read the first three chapters of Ephesians because it's the foundation of what we believe about who Jesus is and what he's done for us in the gospel. And then the second part of the book that we're in right now, uh, beginning in chapter four, is all about how we live. How do we not live as consumers and instead we live as contributors? How do we not be superstars thinking it's all about us, but be servants? How do we show up in rooms and, and not say, here I am, but say, here you are. There you are, and I want to serve you and love you. So we're going to continue today in Ephesians 4. So if you have a copy of scriptures, I want to encourage you to turn there. And again, this whole part of the series, the second part of the book is how we live. How do we stop being consumers and, and start being the servants that Jesus has called us to? And again, if you're here today and you're not a Christ follower and you're trying to understand what it means to, to follow Jesus, I just want to invite you to listen in. Because this message is really for those of us who have said, hey, we found Jesus and we want to follow him more passionately in every area of our lives, which is the journey that we're on together. You know, we talk about, maybe you've heard the word discipleship. Discipleship means followership. And who are we following? We're following Jesus. And we're becoming more like him in every area of our lives. And that's what the second half of Ephesians is all about. So today, we're going to be in verses 11 through 24, if you're there. And I want to read a portion of this passage, uh, verses 11 through 16. And if you're able, I want to invite you to stand with me and allow me to read this part of the um, Ephesians to you about how we live and how we show up um, as servants and not superstars. And you may be like, why do we stand when we read God's word? Well, part of the reason why we stand is because we believe God's word is truth. 
right? And so in a, in a world that's just sort of drifting, and we're, we're going to talk about that in a little bit, with relativism and there is no truth and we can't really know anything, as Christ followers, part of what's distinctive about us is that we believe that there is truth. Um, and we believe that God's word is a gift to us of truth. And so we come to it every single week and we listen to it, we give attention to it uh, for every area of our lives. All right, so Ephesians 4 beginning in verse 11. Let me read 11 through 16 to you. Now, these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers, their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Jesus is our example, right? Verse 14, then we will no longer be immature like children, consumers, gimme, 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 gimme. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We won't be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound like the truth. Instead, will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts to grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love the word of God to you today. You may be seated. Thank you so much. Thank you. So how does Jesus give gifts to his church? We talked about when you know that Jesus is enough, you don't have to enter into life with a shopping cart in every relationship trying to get things because Jesus has already given you what you need. So you can enter into life with a towel and a basin serving and giving away what's already been given to you. But how does this work? Well, Paul's going to help us to understand this in Ephesians 4, beginning in verse 11. The very first gift that Jesus gives to the church is what or whom? Leaders. God gives leaders to the church. And he, li he lists four different leaders here. Apostles and prophets, uh, evangelists and pastors and teachers. That last one, pastors and teachers, uh, the way it's written, it should be understood is one uh, office, so to speak, or one gift. It's a, it's a pastor teacher. So four different types of leaders. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, and pastor teachers. Let's start with the first one, apostles. Apostles, our understanding of apostles and the apostle Paul's understanding of an apostle is that they were people who witnessed Jesus' work and ministry firsthand. So our understanding is that there are no apostles that exist today. Because an apostle, to qualify for that, was to be able to see and witness the ministry of Jesus firsthand. And God used the apostles to build the church. 1 Corinthians 15, 8 talks about this, where Paul seems to say that he's the last of the apostles. He considers himself to be the least of the apostles. And he was one of the last apostles that was, that was pulled into that group of people as he witnessed Jesus on the road to Damascus. Then there's prophets. What's a prophet? Have you ever heard of that word before prophet? What's a prophet? Okay, well, let's start with what's a priest. A priest takes the concerns of people, of God's people, and brings them before God. 
So all kinds of priests throughout the scriptures. They would represent God's people. They would bring sacrifices and prayers before God on behalf of the people. What's a prophet? What is a prophet? A prophet takes the words of God and speaks to the people. Do you hear that? So a priest takes the concerns of the people and takes it before God. A prophet is sort of the reverse of that. They take God's concerns and his truth and bring it to the people. And Paul says, prophets are a gift to the church, speaking into the church, speaking God's truth to the church. Then there's evangelist. What's an evangelist? Well, the word evangelist uh, gets its root from evangelism or evangel, which means the gospel. So an evangelist is someone who's moving into spaces and places where the gospel hasn't been preached specifically and preaching the good news. Let me give a couple of examples if you're taking notes of evangelist in the first century of the church. Philip was an evangelist. Timothy was an evangelist. They both moved into unique spaces to preach the gospel. They're both known as evangelists. Interestingly, Timothy was also the pastor of the church at Ephesus. But then he moved on from there and went different places where the gospel hadn't been preached. And then this last one, pastors and teachers, which again is really one leadership giftedness. Uh, Pastors, shepherds who will shepherd God's flock, but also teach the word of God to them. Uh, Paul says, this is a gift Uh, These four different types of leaders are a gift to the church, and they're meant to do something. Look at verse 12. What are all these leaders supposed to do, right? Jesus gives gifts to the church so they don't have to go through life with a shopping cart thinking that they have to get gifts from other people. But what are these leaders supposed to do for the church? Equip the church, right? Look at verse 12 with me. They're meant to equip God's people. It's their responsibility to do it, to do the work and to build up the church, the body of Christ, All right, so here's how this typically works from, I'll say, a Western mindset, is that, you you know, you go to church, you're part of a church, there's a staff, there's there's people there, they seem to know what they're doing sometimes, and they they do the things for God. You know, they do the things, and, um, you know, we, we, we watch them do that a lot of times. Sometimes we participate a little bit, but really uh, the church is sort of run by um, the staff, and they kind of do that, and we, we sort of watch, and we, it's good or it's bad or whatever. So I brought a picture of this, right? Um, we just got our, our soccer team here. I'm learning the verbiage that it's a match, not a game, that it's a, it's a pitch, not a field all these different things that we're learning together. And this is a great example of Ephesians 4, right? Where a lot of times our mindset is that the paid leaders of the church, um, who again, seem seem to kind of know what they're doing. um, We watch them do ministry. uh, And and as a church, we kind of sit in the stands. We're close to the field, but we're not on it. And we, when it's good, that was good. Oh, and when it's bad, ooh, I, you know, I don't know about that. And, and maybe I'll come back next week, maybe not, uh, maybe the next week, and I, it, maybe it'll be good, maybe it won't be good. And, and, and unfortunately, and I know this is a little on the nose, but th- this is sort of what, what it's become in some ways. And that's not what Paul's describing at all here about how we live and how all this works together as a body of Christ. He, he says, here's another way to look at it, and, and the way that, that Paul describes it here in Ephesians 4. He says instead of the church, you know, instead of us as a body of Christ kind of being in the stands and watching people that seem to know how to do it, do it, do it, and then applauding if we think it's good and jeering if we don't think it's good. No, we're on the field. As, as followers of Jesus, we're, we're all in the game. 
And, and the role of the leaders that are, remember, they're a gift from Jesus to his church. They're meant to equip all the body of Christ, all of us as followers of Jesus in here, to, to participate and to find our giftedness and to grow up and to participate in the game, right? And then, this is so cool, think about it this way, is that then our friends and our family and our coworkers and our city, namely those who don't know Jesus, they watch us, right, doing the work of the church and becoming who Jesus called us to be, and they're leaning in and watching that. And that's what Jesus said, they're gonna know you're a Christian, that you're mine by the way that you love one another, the way you encourage each other, the way you build one another up, as you become who God made you to be, your true self as God made you fully alive, then the world leans in and goes, that's different. That's different because they don't seem to have a shopping cart that they're rolling through life, just taking from every relationship they come across. And when they get, you know, people aren't meant to be consumed, right? But when we have our shopping carts, everybody's consuming everybody else. And when they're done with you, they just move on to the next person. Are you with me? Hello? Did y'all watch a game last night? All right. Are you with me? Okay. All right. You guys were up late. I went to bed at halftime. I was like, I can't. I just can't. I cannot. I don't have a dog in the fight, but I, 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 just, I, just, I just couldn't. Where was I? All right. Jesus wants us to get rid of these things, guys. Because when we're rolling them out, first of all, it's not who God made us to be. And it's super confusing to other people who are trying to find Jesus. Because they're like, everybody has one of these. I thought Christians were supposed to be different. Well, it starts right here where it's like we see ourselves, we're on the, we're on the pitch. And the role of pastors and leaders is to equip and to teach and to build up the body of Christ. So that the work of God happens not just on Sunday morning, but especially Monday through Saturday as we're engaging the world in every sphere of society. Look, if you're an educator in here, go be one for Jesus. If you're an architect, be one for Jesus. If you're a builder, if you're a designer, if you're a banker, go be one for Jesus. If you're in government, if you're in arts, if you're in media, go do it for Jesus. And that's what Paul is saying. God gives leaders, leaders are meant to equip and not just be the performers, you know, to be, to be getting accolades or to be jeered or whatever, but we're equippers and we're trainers. We're meant to mend up wounds and get you back in the game. And here's the deal, guys, when you're on the field, right? When you're on the field, you're who God made you to be. God didn't, listen, God didn't make you to sit in the stands. He just didn't. He made you to be engaged, to be your true self as he's made you to be fully alive. Remember, Jesus said, I came that you might have life and you might have it abundantly. There's so much more to the Christian life than sitting in the stands. Because here's the deal with, 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 with folks who sit in the stands as Christ followers. They're really still consuming. It's still consuming from other people instead of participating in the life that God called them to. The church is not a spectator sport. It's not. It's a body that grows together and participates together. And then look, look, at, look, at, look at what Paul says in verse 13 and 14, if you're following along with me. He says, then when that happens, Jesus is going to give leaders to the church their responsibility is to equip the church, to build one another up, to grow together. And then when that happens, they're going to be mature and complete. They're going to grow up. Look at verse 13. They're going to grow up into our model. Who's the model? Jesus. You know, people say, I'm only human. Uh, No, 
Jesus was fully human. He was the perfect human. If we're becoming who God made us to be, we're more and more as God intended us to be as humans. When you're not who God made you to be, you're actually less of a human. You're less of who God made you to be. God didn't make you for a shopping cart. He made you for a towel and a basin to enter into the world as servants. And he says, this work is gonna continue. What does it mean? It's not one point in time, verse 13. You don't just, I find Jesus, you know, and, and then that's it, and then I just, I, I'm going to heaven, right? This isn't, you know, fire insurance. Jesus says, you know, you, you, you find me and then you follow me. In every area of your life, you keep following me. You keep denying yourself. You keep taking up your cross. Because here's the thing with a living sacrifice. Tim Keller said this. A living sacrifice will crawl off the altar. So you got to keep putting it back on the altar. What is, well, that's what Jesus said. Daily, he adds that line. you got to take up your cross, not just once, but daily. And that's the process of discipleship, of becoming more like Jesus, of following after him more passionately. And then verse 14, look at it with me. He says, then we're no longer, when that happens, when, when I give leaders that equip the church and we grow up more and more and more progressively in discipleship to become more like Jesus, who's our example, then we won't be what? Immature children. Okay? And, 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 and listen, here's the deal. This isn't about age. Okay? We come into the world as consumers and if we don't grow up, we might grow up on the outside, but on the inside, we're still four years old, walking through Target. <laughs> and whether it's the aisle of in my marriage, in my work, uh, in my church, in, uh, in my parenting, in my friendships, every aisle is something or someone to be consumed. And Paul says, not so with you. Christians will be different. People who follow Jesus are different because they've learned how to get rid of their shopping cart and pick up a towel in a basin. And when that happens, look at these three things. I want to teach this really quickly. He says, when that happens, when, we, when we're not immature anymore, when we're not tossed and blown about that language of, of being on a ship at, at, at sea in a storm that you're just constantly going back and forth. And some of you come into the room this morning, you're watching right now, and that's how life feels right now. And you feel like you just want to be sick because you're just being tossed and blown about by all the different things in life. You know, it's like uh, the perfect storm. You know, they're saying, you know, George, don't go out in the ocean. It's gonna storm. There's all these things that are gonna happen. What does he do? Well, let's go out onto the ocean. And we're getting tossed and blown about by all these waves and wind. And, and Paul says, it doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be that way. When you're grounded, you're not immature anymore, and you're not going to be toast, uh, tossed and blown about by these three things. If you're not taking notes, I hope you start taking notes right now. You're not going to be tossed and blown about by false doctrine, okay, by every new kind of teaching, right? There, there's some of us, it's just, it's just in, in our nature as consumers, we want new things. I want you to do something today. When you go to the, to the grocery store, look at how many products have the word new on it. It's true. New and improved. Really? It's Clorox. What is new and improved about that? It's been, it's a Brillo pad. What, what's new about this? I don't know, but it's, it's improved and it's new. Why? As consumers. Oh, I like that. I like that. It's new. This is new. This Kleenex, it's new and it's improved. <laughs> I like that. It feels good to me. 
There's something about that, even doctrinally. I want something new. I want to check, because here's the deal, guys. I want something new and improved because I don't want to be faithful to what I already know. Now, I'm going to be prophetic here for a second. I'm, I'm preaching to myself. I want to hear a new teaching. I want to hear a new angle. I want to hear a new take because I'm not sure I want to be faithful to the things I've already heard. In our culture today, look, all of you have, your, your phones in here are, are, you know, more power in technology than put a man on the moon. We have, we don't have an information problem. We have an obedience problem. We have a faithfulness problem. And the same thing was true in the first century. Paul knew it. You want to grow up? Stop looking for new information and start being faithful to what you know is true. Obey what God has already said. You want to get new insights into the scriptures? You want to follow Jesus more passionately and more maturely in your life? Be faithful to what he's already told you. When we want to know what God is saying, what do we do, church? We go back to what God has said. When we want to know what God is doing, we go back to where, what God has done. We're faithful to it. Here's the second thing. You don't want to be tossed and blown about by schemes of people. Right? Back to the shopping carts. Because guess what? When we're going out into the, to, to the world and the culture and your neighborhood and your workplace, shopping carts. And guess what every scheme of, of people are, whether they realize it or not. How can I get something from you? Because I'm consuming and you're here for me to consume, not to serve. And then the third thing Paul says is the lies that sound like what? This is amazing. He could have just said lies, right? That when we grow up and we're not immature children, we're not going to be subject or prone to believe lies. But he says lies that, that what? That sound like what? Truth. The best way to know a counterfeit, what's not real, is to know the truth. The way you protect your heart and your mind from a lie that sounds like the truth is to know the truth. And that way when you, when you feel it and you taste it and you smell it, you, something's off. And I come back when I want to know what God is saying and if it's true, I come back to what God has said because God won't contradict himself. And so then Paul says, here's the marks of maturity. You ready? Verses 15 and 16, he says, I'm just going to give you four. There's several here. He says, when when God gives leaders to the church that equip the church and they grow up to become like Jesus, they stop being immature children. And then here comes the marks of maturity. You ready? Marks of maturity and following Jesus in a deeper, more passionate way. He says, the first is that you're going to speak the truth in love. Look at verse 15. We're going to speak the truth in love. Most of us get one of those right. But it's not loving if it's not truthful. And you might have the truth, but if you're not saying it in love, you're not showing up in the way that God did. God so loved the world. The second mark of maturity, we're going to grow in every way more and more like Jesus. In other words, it's so much fun to follow Jesus because we, we every single day become more and more of who he made us to be. Fun in the sense that I'm discovering who God made me to be. I'm engaging the world as God designed it to be for me and for everybody else to live in. Not for myself, not for selfish ambition, but I'm, I'm, I'm engaging in the adventure of following Jesus in my life. And whatever season you might be in, 
I'm growing more and more. We never, ever, ever reach perfection on this side of eternity. So every day is an adventure showing up to learn more about ourselves and who Jesus is and who he's called us to be. We grow more and more and more like him. We never stop following after him. And then thirdly, we help others. This is so, this is so great. We help others to grow more like Jesus. This is where some of us, you know, get off the bus because we're still rolling through with a cart. So I find Jesus, I start following Jesus, I grow, this is great, I'm feeling great, I'm growing, I'm learning, but I'm still consuming and not serving other people to help them grow. Look at verse 16. Paul says, here's the mark of maturity. Not, not only are you speaking the truth in love and you're growing up in every way like Jesus, but you're helping other people to do that. So here's the deal, guys, okay? Part of discipleship, following after Jesus, is discipling other people. Someone once said, you're not a disciple until you've made a disciple. What did Jesus say in the Great Commission? Our, our August series is gonna be on the Great Commission. Go and what? Roll your cart through life, get as much as you can, and we're gonna figure it out when you get to heaven, we'll sort it through. No, go into all the world and make disciples. Well, you can't make a disciple unless you are a disciple. And part of following Jesus and being a disciple is going and discipling other people. You wanna grow in your faith? Go lead other people in a Bible study. And you'll study, right? Go, Go lead a fifth grade boys class. And they're gonna ask you like, what's the meaning of life, right? And do you believe in aliens? And you're gonna be like, I don't, I, uh, I don't know, come back next week. And you're gonna read and you're gonna study because that's how God made us to be, right? Right, the, if, if you remember Beauty and the Beast, Mrs. Potts, right? The great theologian, Mrs. Potts, when she's singing the song, she says, she says this, remember with our, with our kids, Right, we were listening to this, and this line always stuck out to me. She said, life is so unnerving. Do you remember this? For a servant who's not serving. Life is so unnerving for a servant who's not serving. It doesn't make sense. Because Jesus didn't design you to walk through life with one of these guys. And when we do it, we just go, it's not enough. It's just not enough. But when we come over here and we're a servant, it's always enough. It's always enough because Jesus always is. Here's the fourth thing, one word, love. It's the, last, it's the last word in our passage, verse 16. We're gonna grow, we're gonna mature, we're gonna be full of love. And it sort of reminds me of something that Jesus said. All the commandments, everything in the Old Testament, all the commandments can be summarized in this one commandment. Do you remember this? What's the first word? Love. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. This one word, love, it's the hallmark, talking about marks of maturity, the hallmark of the Christian faith of being a follower of Jesus is love. I'm showing up in love. God is love. There's so much in this world that's saying, uh, you know, this is love, that is love. Come and experience love. God is love. Jesus came to express fully what love is. And he said, you'll understand life when you engage as someone who loves, who is not just consuming, but loving other people. 
Paul said it this way, okay, Galatians 5, 6. He said, the only thing that matters is faith expressing itself in love. Faith expressing itself in love. I want you to write this down. We, we can become and we, or we can do things for Jesus in isolation. Take a screenshot of this. We can do things for Jesus in isolation, but we can only become like Jesus in community. This is what Paul is busy saying. There's no Lone Ranger Christians. You can do a lot of things for Jesus on your own, but you can only become who Jesus made you to be in the body of Jesus' followers, the body of Christ, in community with one another. That's how this was designed, for us to be on a journey together, not only to grow up ourselves, but to help other people grow up. What, what would this look like? What would it feel like? What if, what if we believe this? What if we believe what Paul just said here in verses 11 through 16? What if we believe that he gave leaders for the church to equip the church to be on the pitch, to be participating in the ministry and not just watching it? What, what if we believe that we were gonna grow up to be like Jesus and, and not be immature anymore? What if we began to exhibit the, the marks of maturity, of, of growing, of helping other people grow, of, of being a person of love? What, what would that look like? What would it feel like? I, I want you just for a second to close your eyes. And I want you to listen to how Paul describes what this could look like and feel like. Verses 17 through 24. With the Lord's authority, I say this, live no longer as Gentiles do, for they're hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life that God gives because they have closed their minds and they've hardened their hearts against him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. They have a shopping cart. That's what Paul's saying. But verse 20, listen to these words. But that isn't what you learned about Jesus. That isn't what you learned about Christ, Paul says. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. And instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and your attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. That's what it could look like. We cast off our old self, our lustful desires to just get stuff from other people. And we show up saying, I have everything I need because Jesus has given it to me. And because I have what I need in Jesus, then I show up with a talent and basin to serve and not to be served. Guys, at the end of your life, okay, I'm going to close right here. At the end of your life, I'm going to guarantee this. At the end of your life, you're not going to say, you know, I just wish I had consumed more. I, you know, I have one regret. I didn't take enough from other people. You know, I just, at the end of my life, and as I reflect back, I just, I wish I'd gotten more things into my shopping cart that I could take with me. No. At the end of your life, 
you're gonna come back, God willing, by his grace to this bottom line truth today about our passage. God didn't want something from me. It turns out God wanted something for me. God wasn't trying to take anything from me. He doesn't need anything from me. God wanted something for me. And he asked me to put down my shopping cart and take up a towel in a basin and wash dirty feet. Not because he needed something from me. God doesn't need anything from us. But he wanted something for me. And what did he want for me? He wanted me to experience real life. I came that you might have life and you might have it abundantly. To Christ alone be the glory today. All right, here's a direct application for the message. We're going to a couple of weeks called Design. And we're doing this for the entire church. So Matthew, South Park, online, everybody coming together. And we're going to use an inventory, a, 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 um, a tool called Shape. And you can go and look this up. Shape is all about helping you to know how God shaped and, and made and molded you. The, the gifts that he's given you, the spiritual gifts, your personality, your experiences. And it's all about helping design and shape you into the person that God's called you to be and release you into the world to serve and to not be served. So I want you to mark your calendar for Wednesday, April 27th. You can screenshot this. Um, would love for you to go even now as the step online and register. It's $10. We're not making anything off of this. It's $10 for the, for the um, inventory. And you're going to get the book. That's what it covers. It's an hour and a half. It's going to be here at South Park, 630 to 8. Child care is provided. I'm trying to take every obstacle off the table. want you to come and engage what we just talked about today, your design, your shape, and, and how God wants to uh, send you into the world with a towel and a basin to serve and to not be served. So this is our application to come uh, to participate in this. And then every Wednesday in June, we're going to be going further with this, uh, with this tool uh, shape. But this is the kickoff, April 27th, 630 to 8, right here. Uh, great application for Ephesians 4. We're going to continue next week in Ephesians.